Hello and welcome to A Muggle's Perspective. I'm Rogi, this is Brayden. Hello. Coming at you. A lot to talk about here. We're in. We're doing chapters 36 through 38 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So if you aren't familiar with the concept of this podcast, Brayden just read these chapters for the first time, what, today? Yes. So very fresh in his mind. Um, he's got a lot of good thoughts. He's pumped and jacked, excited to be here. We would love for you to sometimes like to do the plugs at the beginning, you know? Follow us yeah. on Instagram. Support us on Patreon. Actually, new patron alert. John McDillon. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, it should. Because I talk about him all the time because he's one of my good friends. Uh, John... After previously refusing to listen to the podcast, well, his wife still refuses because, um, like, that she says, Brayden needs more personality. And to be fair, she listened to one random episode from Chamber of Secrets and was like, nope, I'm out. Because Brayden's too boring. She's mad. Well, that's why, that's her reason for not listening. Those are her exact, those are her exact words. Like, I'm not paraphrasing. Is that, is that I need to find someone that is sassier to make the okay. podcast interesting. So I'm sorry, Braden, we're going to have to cut you out. But John has started listening and he told me he started listening. And then last I heard, he was like almost entirely caught up with our entire library of 50 episodes that have been released or whatever. So okay. I think he listens on like times two speed. Well, good. I'm glad that John is a patron. Yeah. Become a patron like John, support us, help us get Braden to universal. Hmm? Maybe his wife will come around eventually. Yeah, we can only hope. Yeah. You know, kill her with kindness. Yeah. Can you maybe try to do I, this episode sassily? Um, no. Mm, okay. No. I respect um, that. Just, I think that that could only go bad. Oh. Uh, while we're here doing plugs at the beginning of the mm, episode. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Um, we're doing them really you, efficiently. Yeah, you should call the Howler. You listener, yes. yes. Um, there, you can be as sassy as you want. In fact, John's wife should call in on the howler and kind of give me a snapshot of of what she yes. wishes I could be. Please do. Um, that number is nine seven eight seven six eight eight three seven zero. That is literally a phone line that not a real person will answer, but no. you can leave a voicemail or send a text with thoughts questions concerns rants yeah uh related to harry potter or unrelated to harry potter Mm -hmm. so you should do that we enjoy that a lot it's a cool way to interact with the people who listen and i think we've gotten some ideas for segments from it we've gotten ideas on segments not to do from it we've gotten fun (laughs) there's no such thing as a segment not to do i'll do any segment i'll do literally any segment i think uh not a segment that's like explicitly based on being racist. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't do it like a like a hate based segment. Any other segment, almost. I would probably use a little more discretion in my segment. Choices, that's true. I re- I reserve the right in the future to yeah. look at a segment and be like, oh, okay, right. That's another example of one I won't do. Yeah. But I've it's a very it's a low bar. I'll say but that. But we're very open. Yes, yeah. we're very open. It's a low so. bar. Anyways, any and all of the above, you should call in. That is 978-768-8370. 978-POTTER0. 
Yes, we call it the howler. Mm-hmm. I want to. So some people have oh, called it on. and literally just howled. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's acceptable as well. We're gonna have a good chunk on next episode, a good chunk of howlers, and then I want to start doing howlers as they come in, like just ignoring the timeliness and just listening to howlers every week. So, are you okay with that in terms of spoilers? I mean, it won't be spoilers. It'll be like they're a book behind. Okay. So. We won't be resp- we, we will not be like talking about that topic for the rest of the episode because it won't be timely. But it'll be like that's right. We did ask you to give us like a three on three basketball team of Harry Potter characters. You know, that is what I would prefer that you called in about. Now that we're on it and talking about it, here's what I want. You ever play NFL Blitz? Have I played NFL <laughs> Blitz? Sheesh. I spend an inordinate amount of my time thinking about NFL Blitz because, like, you guys have to play both ways, and I love the the concept of putting a team like that together. Mm-hmm. And I could do it for any group of people, really. We could, you could make me pick seven Harry Potter characters. We could make an NFL Blitz team out of them. But you know, I'm not going to do that right now because no one suggested it. No one howled in about it. Yeah, well, I, that's the conversation I'm interested in, and we can save that for when someone howls about it. Yeah, please do. So. At Jacob. Howl at me. At Bo. At Bo, yeah, seriously. Where the heck is Bo? <laughs> is Bo alive? It's difficult to say. I don't I don't even bow where he is, you know? <laughs> Who bows, really? Not us. Okay, uh, we've got, like, legitimately a lot to talk about with these three chapters, so we need to jump into it here. These are three... I think really excellent chapters, especially chapter 37, The Lost Prophecy. I really like a lot, Um, but I would love to talk about this stuff. We're on chapter 36, the only one he ever feared. Page, let's see, if you turn your pew Bibles to page 807, it's a chapter of, beginning of chapter 36. Braden, as soon as you saw the title, did you know what was about to happen? I knew that Dumbledore would be coming to save Harry. And were you prepared for a pretty epic Dumbledore Voldemort like magic duel throwdown? Yeah, I was. I was uh, prepared in some ways for Dumbledore to possibly die. Wow. So we talked and about this. When I say I was prepared recently. for that, I wasn't actually prepared for that. It, you can't be prepared out, for that, yeah. Right. But it crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, JKR's not going to do this. I mean, back to back chapters kill Sirius, kill Dumbledore? Yeah. Yeah, that would be that'd be a lot. Yeah, I appreciate that you wouldn't totally put that past her. I appreciate that that's like at least kind of on the table in your mind. It's on the very edge of the table. Yeah, very easily pushed off. Yeah, but it's there. It's certainly there. Yeah. It crossed my mind. Uh, so Dumbledore doesn't die in this chapter, but Sirius dies. Now I knew it. I know it had been a couple weeks since you'd read chapter thirty-five. So I wasn't sure if you were up to date on all the details exactly about how that happened. But you're thrust right back into it because Harry loses it. And then he's and then who is he chasing down and why and how does that go down as far as you can understand it at the beginning uh, of this chapter? Yeah, so he freaks out and chases Bellatrix, um, as Jim Dale says, Lestrange. Yeah. Um, he leans into the French aspect. Who is the cousin of Sirius mm-hmm. and one of the more devoted Death Eaters? Right. Um, 
used to be Bellatrix Black, I guess. Um, So she is effectively the one who I think hit Sirius with the spell. Am I right? Yeah. And then he like sort of collapsed backwards into the veiled archway. Yeah. And then she's been, she kind of taunts him about it. And so he is seeing red at this point Mm -hmm. and is ready to kill or thinks he's ready to kill. Um, even tries to use a Crucio curse on her. Yeah, I wondered what I your thoughts see. were on that. Yeah, I didn't see coming. Like, I I didn't think Harry had that in him. Um, and as it turns out, I don't think he really did. I mean, it knocked um, her down. It knocked her down, but we learn an interesting thing about those um, unforgivable, unforgivable curses that um, she says... Because like you said, it hits her and it knocks her down, but it doesn't. She's not writhing in agony or anything. Mm-hmm. And she gets up and says, "Never used an unforgivable curse before, have you, boy? You need to mean them, Potter. You need to really want to cause pain. You need to enjoy it. Righteous anger won't hurt me for long. Mm-hmm. How about I show you how it's done?" Um, so basically, Harry was like, he was angry enough, but he doesn't truly have like hatred in his heart. He doesn't truly want to kill anybody. Yeah, we've got to remember. Magic isn't just like say the words and then that's what comes out of the wand. Like there's kind of seems like it at times. There's though, to be fair, it does definitely feel like that. But I think that's when it's a basic spell that you've like memorized. Basically, you've got to feel it. Like there's a certain amount of like gut that goes into your magic. Like Neville has the spells memorized. I'm sure for the most part, but like he just can't quite twist it out of him at a certain point, and so. Yeah, the emotional aspect of this, we've really only seen once before, and that's with the Patronus spell, as far as I can recall. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought of that in relating it to his uh, episode with the Patronus, but that makes sense. So that's that's two cases we've seen so far that kind of prove that, uh, yeah, there's an emotional element to some of the more powerful and dangerous spells. Yeah, so th- these are kind of like opposites in a way. So yeah, Harry doesn't have that in him, um, which is a good thing. Also kind of a concerning thing, given what we learn at the end of these chapters. Um, but it does, uh, so it doesn't take out Bellatrix. Um, and she is freaking out about this um, prophecy. Yeah, this is old Harry news. We knew yeah. this was broken like a while ago, so we forget that this is right on the top of her mind still. Yeah. So they're like hiding behind stuff, a classic hero versus villain scene in like an old warehouse or something where they're mm-hmm. hiding behind stuff and like randomly shooting spells and yeah. one zings off the side of something and you're yelling monologue stuff throughout the entire fight. Yeah. And um, Harry kind of realizes like, oh, wait, you're looking for the pro- – like you want the prophecy. This is funny. It's broken, so you can't get it. And Voldemort's going to be ticked. Is there any part of you that's like, Harry, you no longer have leverage here. Like, you shouldn't have told her that. Yes, but also, I think he, like, basically from the start of this chapter through the end of the book, he is in this, he's entered into this, like, mindset that he's never been in before, where it's just like, I don't give an F anymore. Yeah, it's not about like what's the most logical or coherent plan. It's just like 
No, like he lost the closest thing yeah. he had to a dad. And so any ret- any like emotional catharsis or like retribution for that is worth it. It's worth yeah. whatever. Yeah, and in a lot of ways you can't hardly blame him because he's been through so much emotionally and just psychologically, I think, throughout this entire series so far and was really, I think, banking on this relationship with Sirius growing and kind of almost in a way getting to know his dad more because of Sirius Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. that's been taken away from him. So it's just kind of like, who cares anymore? Like, if you kill me, great, it's all over. I don't have to worry about this anymore. So it's kind of just... I like I don't think logic's really playing a part here from now on. Yeah, something that I have written down for later, but I mean is applicable here too, is the extent to which I think every time I read the series more and more it becomes like, oh, this is just a series about like grief. Like how much grief and like pain, like how much pain can a boy go through and we be in his head and it like not rationalizes it, but like how we see him cope with these things. Because he is just gets hammered. And like fortunately it's it's over, you know? The next two books are gonna be smooth sailing for him. For sure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Voldemort's probably like, ah, I tried and yeah. I just can't figure out how to beat him, so Yeah. I'll go hide somewhere. There's gonna be no more painful losses in Harry's life. No, nobody else will die. Yeah, Hagrid's definitely gonna survive for sure, so Yeah. Haggard would be alive through the end of the book. Definitely not. Yeah, he's not going to lose like every single father figure. So, um, so Voldemort Voldemort shows up, and you're not shocked by this at this point. You're like, right, okay, Voldemort's here. Yeah, you were just kind of waiting for it when the camera was going to just like quickly pan, and Voldemort's just like in the background. Yeah. Because Bellatrix is like, no, Master, no, it's okay. Like, I tried. And Harry's like, shut up. He's not even here, idiot. You don't even know where people are. Gosh. And then he turns around, but and then Voldemort is there. That's bad. Yeah, and I thought Voldemort's line to Harry is kind of comical, I guess, in a weird way. He says, I have nothing more to say to you, Potter. You have irked me. Too often for too long. Classic Harry, Irkin Voldemort. Yeah, like that's what you want to say to him in this epic moment when you're about to kill him. Yeah. You've really annoyed me, Harry. Like you are like a little brother that I just can't get to <laughs> shut up. Harry, I'm going to kill you because I find you annoying. Your attitude and general being displeases me, yeah. and therefore I'm going to take your life. <laughs> and that's why. I guess if I had to spell it out, it'd be because I don't like you. <laughs> There's just, I can't put my finger on it. There's something about you, you when keep, I see your face. You keep not dying when I wish that you would die, so like, I guess I want you to die. Does that make sense? And you know, I thought maybe we could work things out with this prophecy thing, and then you and your boneheaded friend broke it. And so, th- honestly, that's just, that's the last straw. I'm over Come it. Come on. Come on. Both of our names were on that, man. You don't just pick it up and break it. This is why we can't have nice things. Yeah, literally. So Harry, Harry was just going to let it happen. He was like, fine. 
just do it, I guess. But Dumbledore slides in. Like, I don't know what I'm picturing, but I'm picturing it being like a surprisingly athletic move where Dumbledore like slides into the room on his knees for some reason. I like that picture. I also like him jumping across the room like in the Michael Jordan dunking like splits move with his tongue out, except instead of holding a ball, Uh it's his wand. Mm -hmm. But it's Michael Jordan from Space Jam and his arm is just stretching out and he like... Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, yeah, I think that he could be doing that. I like the description later on in the chapter where... They're just like doing crazy magic, and Voldemort and Dumbledore is just like calmly walking towards Voldemort the whole time, like very calmly. Yes. So here, Q Braden's um, re- ever repeating quote where he says, "I can't wait for this scene in the movie." Mm, yes. And now, I can't wait for this scene in the movie. Blah 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 blah. Braden's beef. I don't know if that Braden's applied. Scene in the movie. I don't know if that applied, but I wanted. <laughs> Braden's desire for visual representation. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as just magic, magician versus magician, like it doesn't get better than this to this point in the series. Yeah, in my head, uh, Dumbledore is just sort of like flicking his wand back and forth as these spells come at him. Yeah. Like, get out of here. It's that like got me. it's like Leonidas walking through a hail of arrows kind of thing. And you can see the death happening around him, but like he's just like keeps walking. And that's what's menacing about it. Yeah, and I missed it. Did something land on top of Bellatrix? Like yeah. what happens to her during this scene? Yes. She's like a statue's laying on top of her or something. Yeah, so that's what happens on 813 is that he sends a statue to protect Harry. And then he sends, let's see. The statue of the witch ran at Bellatrix, who screamed and sent spells streaming uselessly off its chest before it dived at her, pinning her to the floor. So he just got a statue, like a golden statue to tackle her. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he did the same to Harry so that, I think it's like, so that Harry won't get involved. Like Harry just needs to stay in the background for this one. And not try to jump in and help. Yeah, his desire to play the hero that kind of bright brings all this about. I feel mm-hmm. like he's like he cannot suppress that, no matter what the situation. Yeah, you know Harry was gonna jump out and be like, "Expelliarmus, I know his spells." <laughs> and Dumbledore's like, "Dude, it's like Crucio." I I think it's like. You know how when you're playing 2K, no matter what, the second having a second person on your team is never going to make it easier. And I don't I don't know why. Has, have you ever experienced this? Playing like 2 on 2. So here's But like a in thing. a full game. Okay. Uh, I don't think that I've ever played 2K. Okay, wow. Well, then this yeah. is not a helpful analogy. I expected you to freak out more than that when I said that, so I don't really know what to say next. No, I mean, like, you're not, like, a video game guy, and I get that. Yeah. In college, I got, we, you know, for the last two years of college, we got really into... FIFA, uh, right? FIFA. Mm -hmm. We got into into FIFA. We got into GTA V online, 
and we got into Rocket League. Oh, okay. Um, like really into Rocket League. Wow. Um, we also played NHL a little bit. We got huh. it. We called it Chell. You know Chell tonight, bro. Um, Netflix and Chell. Yeah, and we we played a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I I I honestly don't know if I've played. If I have, I don't remember. It. Okay, that's fair. Suffice anyway. it to say, I'll keep it short. Then there's a phenomenon where like you're playing against the computer, and because of like how you can switch between all the different characters, and you know exactly what you want this guy to do, and then what you're gonna pass to the next guy to do, that when a second person comes in and is controlling one of those characters, even if that person is good and it's not their fault, they're not doing anything wrong. But yes. your brain can't just link, link, link to the next thing because you'll pass it and you're like, oh, no, actually, I'm not controlling the guy with the ball now. And so, like, my team, you're like, your team is maybe doing worse, even though it's not that that person's bad. So it's kind of like that. Like, Dumbledore doesn't, he doesn't actually need Harry. Yep. Have you experienced this I one have, playing another game? I have game? played enough sports video games yeah. to know exactly what you're talking about. That's yeah. actually why we loved NHL so much because mm-hmm. that doesn't really exist. Like, you can play with three guys on the same team. It's actually a ton of fun. Nice. So. I mean, like you can play Super Mario Strikers, a Mario soccer game with four people, and like you're just each locked in to like, there's only like four or five people on a team, so it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, that's key. You have to lock on a player. Oh, you yeah. You can't just be like free to switch back and forth. Right, and yeah, so what I'm saying does kind of flip if we're locking. If you're locking and it's like, I'm just playing as the center and patrolling the paint the whole time, then okay. Like, we can get behind that, Eric. Jacob. <laughs> Jacob's actually, like, probably better than me at almost every video game, so it's not like it's his fault ever. But Eric is worse than me at most video games, so... Come at me, Eric. You're not going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> okay, so the duel. Any other thoughts on the duel itself? Like, I don't even... I don't want you to repeat, like, what... I don't want you to just, like, read it off from the book. Like, give me, like, what's happening in your heart in the duel between Voldemort and Dumbledore. I guess, and this had happened a little bit in past, like especially in the last book with kind of the duel scene in the graveyard Mm -hmm. between Harry and Voldemort, but Mm -hmm. now especially with this scene with Dumbledore, it makes Voldemort less scary to me. Does that make sense? In what way? Like, it, he's, he's dangerous and he's powerful, but he's... I mean, for, for what, four or five straight books now, he's very defeatable. Yeah, I mean, like, the difference is supposed to be that he is a full-blown dude now. Like, one of those times he was just, like, a face on a head, and one sure. of those times he was, like, a memory of a 16-year-old version of himself, and one of those times he wasn't in the book and he was just Peter Pettigrew. So. Yes, yeah, so I think... The, uh, yeah, we would hope that the stakes would be raised because of that it seems where the book is heading is that there's eventually going to be a time and place where it's just harry just voldemort Mm -hmm. no help Mm -hmm. no visions of mom and dad telling you what to do Mm -hmm. no dumbledore swooping in like mj Mm -hmm. no ron and hermione they're all all these people you're listing are just dead and that's why yeah jkr has killed off almost everyone but harry and voldemort yeah and then we see who the true champion and is. And Fang. She's not going to kill Fang. She wouldn't right. do that to me. When we, At last, when we think that Voldemort has killed Harry uh-huh. because he doesn't have any help, uh-huh. and the book's about to end, it's like, yeah. sorry, guys, Voldemort wins. Uh-huh. 
Fang comes in yeah. and just rips his head off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kind of like that. Just just clean off. And so yeah, the book ends with like Fang being the only being that remembers like wizards. Like the, the only being left in the magical world. So many Fang interviews. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? I'm sure there's a spell out there that you can like put on a dog to where you can understand them. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Okay. I want that spell. We all want that spell. So Voldemort's a little less scary because he's been defeated previously. So you're not necessarily, but you said you were worried that Vol- that Dumbledore might die. Well, I guess, I guess that's what I'm saying. Like as long as Dumbledore's around, mm-hmm. like Voldemort just doesn't scare me. Because Voldemort traditionally is a little bit scared of Dumbledore even. Like that's out there. Yeah, I think even just the way JKR writes like their disposition or just like the way that they're using spells in this duel, it seems just reading it that like Voldemort's are a lot more like frantic and rushed and like and then he was a snake and he was above Dumbledore and then this happened and now he's coiled around Harry and mm-hmm. like it's always just much more calm with Dumbledore. Like, and then Dumbledore raised his wand and the snake flew away. Yeah. <laughs> and he kept walking towards Voldemort. Like, yeah, Dumbledore is written as being more impressively powerful, it seems like. Yeah. So you weren't worried that Harry was going to die? No. That wouldn't make any sense at all for this series. <laughs> and because of that, it would be the best thing to happen, right? Interesting if, like, in the second-to-last book, she just killed Harry. Then what? Hermione Granger and the Half-Blood Prince. I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, not here for, I'm not here for the no? murder of Harry Potter, but, like, I'm here for a, a, a book solely devoted to Hermione Granger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we can agree that would just be better. Uh, okay, so at the end of the duel, they're dueling, and that's happening, and it's epic. Like, things are being launched at each other and then, like, turned back against that person. And then Voldemort, it seems like he realizes that he can't just out-magic Dumbledore. So his strategy is to, how how do you read this, possess Harry? Yeah, but I don't, it's like, he embodies a snake again, but kind of, like, intercedes with Harry and they are sort of one in that moment where like he's talking through Harry's mouth Mm -hmm. but like it's Harry wrapped up in a snake sort of it's weird Um, but I I guess I didn't fully understand this like this move by Voldemort so the whole idea here is they had just had this epic like monologue conversation about like um, death not like Dumbledore's point being like death is not the worst thing that could happen to a man. Like there's a lot of other ways to destroy a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Voldemort's like, no, death's the worst. You don't understand. And he's like, no, it's not. And then in a desperation move, he coils himself around Harry and says, we'll just, if death's not the worst thing, then just kill us both. So what, what does that gain him? I don't understand. I I think it might gain him safety 
I think he's assuming that Dumbledore's not going to kill Harry. And so maybe he was worried that Dumbledore was about to kill him. But he no, knows I, Dumbledore I he wasn't was. trying to kill him. So if he if he entices Dumbledore, like if Dumbledore is just like that cold in this moment, it's just like, you know what? This is a lot of stress. I'm an old man. I don't need this. Let's kill them both. So it solves a lot of problems. It solves a lot of problems. It doesn't solve any problems for Voldemort. So like that's what I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. I don't like I think this was a bluff move on his part. But what would it have gained him if it worked out? Well, I he think been dead too. I think so he that would have been able to enjoy the power. Ideally, in this move, what he's hoping for is that he can just like dominate what's what is Harry inside of Harry and like take over. And like now I just have Harry Potter. Like he hasn't really tried that yet. He seems to be successfully able to do it with his snake. But, like, I agree that it's probably not going to work out in a way that's useful for him, but that's maybe, like, the hundredth, like, the ideal percentile of the very best thing that could happen here is that maybe he gets he gets Harry or is able to just kill Harry, and he's maybe just, like, bluffing and, like, trying to get more time from Dumbledore. He's going to suffocate Harry with his snake mind. I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. So then the rest of the chapter is basically the aftermath. And this struck me as a little abrupt. Like we go right from that to here's Fudge, and Fudge is like, man, I guess Voldemort really is back. Yeah, it did feel kind of sudden. So walk me through that Fudge realization and how that worked for you. And like the fudge Dumbledore interactions. I do enjoy these fudge Dumbledore interactions. I do too. Um, it's always satisfying to see fudge with egg on his face. Um, and I really like Dumbledore's how he gets a little aggressive finally with fudge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this scene. Like, you can tell Fudge is going to try and fight it. Like, he realizes his uh, reputation is in a lot of danger right now. And Dumbledore just cuts him off. And I think it, I think it right that he, like, says in a booming voice, like, if you want me to fight off all your goons again and win, I can do that. But why don't you just, like, li- shut up and listen for once? And if, like Fudge does kind of shut up and then Vol- Dumbledore just comes straight in with like, here's how, here's the next three things that are going to happen. You're going to get rid of Dolores Umbridge. She sucks. <laughs> like, lest we forget, I'm glad that she does come up. He's like, I'm not going to overlook how much she sucks right now, Fudge. Like, this is one of the three very important things that you're going to do right now. Yeah, so you're going to get rid of Umbridge. You're going to tell the Aurors to stop searching for what I assume he means is Hagrid, his Care of Magical Creatures teacher, yeah, so that he can return to work. So questions about that. And number three, I will give you half an hour of my time tonight, which I think is hilarious. It's just kind of like, I think I can squeeze you in for 30 minutes so I can try to understand and have your small mind comprehend what all has happened. 
Uh, that should be enough. I'll meet you tonight. But those are the three things that are going to happen now, so see ya. This is a total power move. I well, love it. I like how he goes, well, we can talk about that after I send Harry to Hogwarts. And he's like, Harry, Harry Potter? He's like, oh my gosh, Fudge. Like, I hate you. Keep up, dude. Like, yeah, Harry's here. The, we're clearly on a team. And then the last thing is Fudge is like, well, you can't just make port keys right in front of me. And Dumbledore is like, yeah, I can. Watch me, bro. I don't care if you're the Minister of Magic. Uh, so that pretty much takes us to the end of this chapter. I did have a couple of really good quotes I wanted to bring up from a couple of pages earlier. Pages like 813 and 814, I think. These are just some of my favorite like sassy Dumbledore quotes. They're at the end of the chapter and here when he's talking to Voldemort. Uh, Ooh, when he calls him Tom. Yeah, on 813. Yeah. It was foolish to come here tonight, Tom. Like foolish? That is a good one. For a grown a man to say that another grown man is foolish, like that's oh, yeah. just an unqualified burn. It's a indirect but very direct shot at his manhood. Yeah. Like, oh, you foolish boy. And I'm, I'm calling you by your boy name. Yeah, the name that yeah you were only called when you were a kid. Uh, there is nothing worse than death, Dumbledore. Snarled Voldemort. There's nothing worse than death, Dumbledore. That's me snarling. Oh. It needs to be more like high pitched and breathy, though, right? There's nothing. But how can you snarl high pitched? <laughs> There's. There. There's, there's nothing, nothing there's nothing worse than death, Dumbledore. That's too high. There's nothing worse than death, Dumbledore. There's nothing worse than <laughs> death, Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and Dumbledore says, oh, you are quite wrong. <laughs> that is just factually inaccurate, Thomas. Survey says, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> You see that on Twitter a lot. People are just like, false. Isn't true. I I would love him to bust out another version of Tom. Thomas, I think, would be like really good. But Tommy would work as well. Tommy boy. Tommy. Uh, Tommy, Tommy, my guy. Come on, Tommy. Here we go. You're wrong about you're wrong about the death thing, Tommy. Stay with me here, Thomas. <laughs> Okay, that's that chapter. Any th- other anything else you wanted to touch on from that chapter we didn't get to? Uh, Neville and Lupin in the beginning. There is. I have a little bit of a beef with that in the very beginning of the chapter. Rogie's beef. <laughs> what is that? A nineteen forties paper boy? <laughs> ah, Rogie's beef. Extra, extra. <laughs> Rogie's beef. Get it while it's hot. Papes. Uh, okay, so in the beginning of the chapter, Neville like clamors down next to Harry, and you realize that his legs are still constantly dancing, right? You remember this? And uh, Lupin is just like, okay, I'm going to use the generic like stop a spell from happening spell. Like he just very calmly is like, okay, finite, like this wasn't that hard. And so I'm thinking like, Harry, why didn't you do that? 
We know that's the stop spells spell. I feel like there's a lot of moments like that throughout this series, right? Like where it's like hindsight. Why didn't you just do that? Could it, you can do magic. Why can you? Why couldn't you've just done that? Why didn't you do any magic there? Would have been a good time to do some magic, Harry. Not a very good magician, Harry. Not using your magic. He's kind of not. Like when he gets in trouble, his number one thing to do is run. Do you remember in that last chapter? He all he can think to do is hold the prophecy above his head and sprint across the room so people will chase him. Yeah. He immediately reverts back to how do I defend myself because I'm six years old? Yeah, from Dudley. Yeah. Which I guess is like fair. That's kind of what happens in a traumatic situation like that, maybe. Sure. Uh, Chapter 37, The Lost Prophecy. I said it earlier. I think this is a really cool chapter. The chapter does a lot of work for me. Yeah. And so I almost didn't have, I almost didn't like even write down five points because I just wanted you to like read through the chapter and tell me what you think about every page. Um, but I didn't do that. Uh, yeah, and I would kind of like to step through it together just because I feel like there's so much Dumbledore dialogue. Yes, a lot of, um, what's the word? Him. Exposition, a lot of Dumbledore exposition here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just there's a lot to sort of grasp and make sure that I'm straight on the details with. So You know me and you know there's nothing I love more than to clarify plot points of Harry Potter with you. I do know that. So we wake up and we're in Voldemort's office. <laughs> it's awful, man. Voldemort's Not office is super hot and like for some reason and it smells bad. It's actually just hell. So um, what I meant to say was Dumbledore's office. Oh, that's way better. And there's a a bunch of paintings are like, oh, okay, you're back. That's Harry Potter, right? Okay, sweet. So it's like, is Dumbledore coming? Do you know if Dumbledore's coming back? So Dumbledore appears in the fireplace, um, tells him that the students, the fellow students that were a part of the duel or whatever are going to be okay. He's like, I don't care. Sirius died. Remember that? I don't care. Yeah, so then Dumbledore tries to get pretty like, hey, man, it's it's okay. I know you're feeling some type of way right now. Like you're in your feelings, Harry. It's okay. Like it happens to all of us. And Harry's like, "Are you, are you freaking kidding me right now? Shut up. Shut your mouth, Dumbledore. I'm gonna okay, and I'm gonna flip your table. Oh, do you like that? I what did. if I? What if I? What really if I? The Harry flipping table. Crunch your thing. I, I'm gonna pick up this item that I don't know what it is. I'll crunch it. Did I say? Did I tell you I was mad? <laughs> Are you convinced yet? How about I, how do I break this thing over here? Yep. We're about to be all caps, Harry. Harry's about to get in all caps up in here, Dumbledore. You're gonna handle that. You've never been 15. You've never lost anything. Because I know everything about your 3,000-year-long life. Dumbledore, I hear you. I I hear what you're trying to say to me, but if you speak again, I'm going to scream. <laughs> I'm going just, to just slap you, like, straight up. That's not even magic anymore. I'm thinking about bull rushing you right now. <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, I'm thinking about just sprinting into your chest right now and pushing <laughs> you into the wall. <laughs> what would you do then? Now you don't have your wand. 
of your precious little wand, jerk. It keeps talking about how Harry's extra mad because his face is calm and dumb. Uh, I hate the stupid, wise, uh, just unperturbed face he's got going on. Stupid beard. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on the very top of page 825, and I'm not going to give any more context other than to say that hatefully calm face. Oh, he keeps trying to leave, too. Let's not forget this. What does that even mean? Let me out. Let me out. Let no. me go. Unlock the door. No. Three, two, one. Unlock it. Unlock no. the door. Do it. <laughs> you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to bust out. <laughs> just give me a second here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just break the door Can down. Can you imagine Harry like, running and kicking Dumbledore? I'm picturing this. This door is like 15 feet tall in my, in my head. Like, this is a big old door. Yeah. And Harry's going to knock that off the hinges? Ow. Oh. Dumbledore keeps like... Dumbledore is lifting the doorknob with his wand to make it higher to where Harry can't reach it. Like it just keeps sliding an inch higher to where every time Harry jumps, it gets a little farther away from his hand. Dumbledore. No, 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 no you don't. Let me go. Let me out. I want to go because I don't like you because you're hatefully calm face. So you can understand why Harry's mad. And Dumbledore just keeps saying things like, the fact that you can feel this pain is what makes you human. And Harry's like, I don't care about that garbage. I'm not trying to think right now, bro. And to be fair, like that's not super consoling in the moment. Oh yeah, but like, I, don't, yeah, I, know I don't know how it you strikes are feeling you. Like horror and distress right now, but I just need you to remind yourself that you're human. I don't think Dumbledore is trying to be consoling. I think he legitimately is like, just let it out. This is as good of like a break some. Break some yeah. Some more. What what does he say? Oh yeah, keep breaking you know stuff. I've got is. too much stuff. Yeah. You know what I think this is? Hmm. You've seen Goodwill Hunting. I've not. Oh wow. Okay, so that's I don't feel as bad about never playing 2K. Yeah, that's fair. I w- have wanted to. Okay. Well, you should. You should that's one of the better movies ever made. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a scene where, like, so Matt Damon's character is... Um, he's a janitor troubled. who's really good at math? Yeah. Okay. So he, he's he's kind of a troubled um, guy, grows up on the streets of Boston or whatever, and has had a lot of traumatic stuff in his life, like, with relationships and parents and stuff, similar to, like, what Harry's gone through. And at the end of the book, he's 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 been meeting with this counselor for the longest time, who is Robin Williams. Patch but, Adams. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a scene where Robin Williams just repeatedly keeps telling Matt Damon, like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. And, like, at first, it's Matt Damon responding to, like, shut up, you don't know me, or, like, pushing him away and, like, trying to get out of his office. He just keeps saying to him, hey, it's not your fault. And it, it the scene ends in, like, Matt Damon just breaking down in tears, like, hugging mm-hmm. Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's happening here. We got a Goodwill Hunting thing on our hands. Yeah, it's surprising that Harry does not do that, honestly. It seems like it's coming. It seems like it keeps building and building, yeah. but it never really does. Yeah. Let me out, he said. No, said Dumbledore. <laughs> For a few seconds, they stared at each other. Let me out, Harry said again. No, Dumbledore repeated. <laughs> Dumbledore's just standing there with like his shoulders kind of slumped. No. If you no, don't, seriously, man, seriously, man, I got, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you like, can you let me out? Uh. Uh-uh. 
Nope. <laughs> Let me out, Harry said yet again. Not until I've had my say, said Dumbledore. So we've got Angry Harry, and that's literally the point that I had written down, was step one, Angry Harry. Rage Harry. Yeah. Harry's real mad. Step two, Dumbledore recaps everything that happened tonight. And that's probably this is probably the stuff that you want to get some clarification on. Because there's a lot. A lot. Dumbledore's like, oh, you know Snape? Snape did stuff. What about Creature? Didn't think of that. I got a lot of Creature information here. This is a lot of dead space for you to cut, Editress Jessica. Yeah, thanks for cutting this. I'm just trying to find the page where he starts talking about what happened. Dumbledore's basically like, Harry, I know everything. I know what you've been dreaming about. I talked to Sirius and Snape. They tell me exactly what's going on in your freaking terrible occlumency lessons. Um, oh, okay. So on the bottom of 829, we start talking about creature. So what are your creature thoughts? So I feel like this was really satisfying for me because I had been saying all along, like, I don't trust Creature. I mm-hmm. feel like we're way too passive with Creature being around. And it comes back to haunt them. And this is kind of a complicated way that it able is able to come back to haunt them. Could you articulate it? Like, do you know how this went down with Creature? Yeah, so um, he's been communicating with Bellatrix um, and one of the ways he was able to do it because there's there's all these weird um, like house elf laws where like if your master says something no matter what you can't like disobey him or whatever and so one of the thing one of the ways he was able to get out um, in a moment of like being really annoyed uh, Sirius at one point told him like creature will you just get out and creature being smart enough just decided decided to take that as like yeah okay I'll leave the house and go find Bellatrix like you told me to get out so I'm getting out. Um, yeah, he and I think we actually saw that. I think that happened when Harry showed up after. Remember when Harry had the vision about Ron's dad getting attacked? Oh yeah, and. Harry and the Weasleys are sitting there in Sirius's kitchen. I think Creature walks in. I think it's at that point that he tells Creature to get out. But I have okay. not double-checked that. So feel free to at me if that's not the case. So he told him to get out, and Creature's like, fine, I'm going to go tell everything I know to Narcissa and Bellatrix, which isn't that much that I'm allowed to tell them, but it's still something. Which I forgot is actually the wife of Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. I mean, so Narcissa and Bellatrix are sisters. One of them married a Malfoy, and one of them married a Lestrange. Lestrange. Do we get any more backstory on Mr. Lestrange coming in the future? Am I going to answer that? You think I'm going to answer that? I can tell you his name. I just don't feel like that gives any kind of spoiler to say yes or no. His name's Rodolphus. R- Rodolph- Rodolphus yeah. Lestrange. Yep. 
His brother's name is Rabastin. So. Are these real names that are used in like European countries or does JKR make these up? I feel like usually, I mean like even Hermione is a real name that has been used in history at different times. So like I think there is probably some examples of people being named these things, yes. I mean it's like Rudolph. The I'm more reindeer. talking about his brother. What'd you say, Rebastin? Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a reach. I don't know. He could be Anyways. Eastern European. So, do you are you clear on how exactly Creature was able to play a big role here? He went and told them stuff, like what stuff, and then like what was he able to do? Basically, he was able to convey to them that Harry would do anything for Sirius, which I think then was able to plant the idea for Voldemort of like, okay, so Harry has a hero complex, and why don't we try to get him worried about the person he cares about the most? So, creature, you go back and tell Harry that he's not there. I'll give him, I'll give, I'll get inside his head and give him the dream that Sirius is hurt or that I'm about to hurt him. And when Harry shows up at Grimold Place or wherever it is you guys live, just tell him he's not there, that he's come looking for him. Yeah, so he uses Creature to corroborate the vision. And I like the idea that he needed Creature to explain to him what liking someone is. Because like Voldemort probably had the idea of putting something in his head. He's like, okay, what can I put in there that's gonna make him show up? Like, like money, power. What do people? What do people like? You know, um, like I put some like naked women visions in his head. Like kids like that, right? Uh, maybe we could show him someone like a random person being murdered. Is that that's what people like? Creatures like no. That seems to get me going. Yeah, he, uh, he likes like a guy. Like you could do that. You could put like a specific person that he cares about. And Voldemort's like, huh, you, you think that'll work? A person? That seems, that seems a little out there, creature. That he actively is important to him? Well, I mean, like maybe. Yeah, so this uh, learning that kind of twists the knife for Harry, right? Like that, that really sucks because. It's not Harry's fault then that Sirius died, but it's like, man, like Voldemort knew my weakness and he exploited it. And Hermione and Dumbledore have been saying the whole time we should be nice to Creature. And like, I hate that they were right, you know? I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. Oh, okay. I don't think that Creature would have been helpful or response i don't think he would have responded to kindness either way so you view creature as irredeemable he hated the blacks no matter what so and he was not there for the order of the phoenix yeah i mean he, he loved he hated all of them he loved the blacks like sirius's parents who were like death right, eater sorry. types he yeah. hated sirius black yes i don't think that would have changed with any amount of kindness okay yeah that's fair uh so that happened. Oh, plus he injured Buckbeak. Yeah, what the heck? I always Why? picture like he like he twisted his ankle, or he like 
poked him in the eye or something? I don't know. What does that look like? Well, it's kind of a weird, like, what, what, what was that for? Why'd you do that? That was so that he could make sure that when Harry showed up to be like, we're serious, he could be like, oh, Sirius is gone. And if Sirius had walked in the room at that time, it would have spoiled everything. Yeah. Which is kind of weird. Also, like, at, in my head, uh, Grimold Place is not a very big place. So the fact that, like, Harry shows up in the fire and is, like, wondering where the heck Sirius is, like, Sirius never heard his voice or anything, like, that just, that sucks. Yeah, so Grimold Place is pretty big, and it's mostly vertically, is how it's described uh, and then and how it's portrayed in the movies. So Sirius is, like, five floors up from the kitchen. I gotcha. It's kind of how it goes. It's like a big townhouse. I got you. So then what is, here's what, I'm just going to pose a simple question to you. Do you trust Snape? Uh, He did that thing again where he did some helpful things behind the scenes. Like just enough to put it in doubt for you. Yes. Um, I do think it's an interesting observation or admittance from Dumbledore saying that like, I did make a mistake in thinking that I could trust Snape to not let his like hatred for your dad get in the way of what the order was doing here. And it, it did. So it'll be interesting to see how Dumbledore handles that moving forward. Yeah. Cause Dumbledore, admits mistakes in this chapter for sure what does he say um youth cannot understand the thoughts and ways of the older and wiser but when an old man forgets what it's like to be young then like that's on him Mm -hmm. and so he's like i didn't play this correctly the thing where i separated myself from you and i wasn't up front with you about what was going on but you know in him explaining why in that he was afraid that Voldemort would get inside Harry's head and then be able to kind of get to Dumbledore as well and derail the whole thing. Like I, it makes sense. Like I don't, I'm not mad at Dumbledore anymore. Like he was, he was doing that selflessly and like on paper, that makes sense. It's just tough. Yeah. And especially where it breaks down is where, it needed to be him doing occlumency lessons or yes, there needed to be no occlumency lessons. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like that's, that was Dumbledore's biggest hang up with that is like, man, if we're like openly inviting Harry's mind to be like accessible and mm-hmm. I'm in the room, like this could, this could go bad yeah. for everybody. And so this does kind of explain and I think you noticed as the book was going on those couple times when it's like Harry and Dumbledore finally locked eyes and Harry felt like a snake that was going to bite him. Yes, I was really glad to have, like you said, this is a good chapter for just like, hey, all those things that you couldn't figure out through the book, mm-hmm. here's a chapter on how that all worked. Yeah. So I appreciated that. I feel like we don't get that that often. Yeah. So, And this book does an amazing job of like, all these things that have been happening have been like the sea level plots, like the creature stuff 
and the occlumency and the weird feelings about Dumbledore and the prophecy. Like, man, what did we talk about all book? We talked about freaking Umbridge, man. And like Weasley is our king. Like that's where we were day to day. Yeah. And that's not what any of this is about. And that taught us something that was real and how Harry responded to those things, like taught us about Harry and like we, it was really character building. And, but like, that's not what this is. This stuff is about. And we're going to get into like what the prophecy says specifically. Like that's a whole different level of stuff. Yeah. It's like she closed, like she tied up a lot of loose ends while like opening up more, like closed a lot of doors while opening up more as well. Yeah. More directions for the story to go in a big picture sense. Right. Um, I was also just kind of, like I really thought that Umbridge was going to have something to do with like Voldemort's master plan here. Yeah. And it turns out it's like, she just sucked. Like she, <laughs> she was just kind of this like third party, but he hates Dumbledore and all things Hogwarts. Yeah. So like that almost makes her worse. Right. Right, it's like, man, you weren't even on a team. You just sucked because you suck. You're just like really awful as a person, which like so is Bellatrix, but we understand that she's like a crazy person and she wants power. Exactly. It's it's in a way more acceptable because it's like, okay, we know what team you're on. We know your purpose. Mm -hmm. Like we get to the end of this and like she didn't even have a purpose. It was just, well, I mean, I guess it was to push or do the bidding of the the ministry but Mm -hmm. like i don't know i think part of the purpose is to show how well team voldemort has manipulated the ministry into doing things that help their team without coming out right and like pushing it too far you know what i mean yeah yeah umbridge did things that were against team harry and dumbledore and it's like the old, if you, an enemy of my enemy is my friend. So Voldemort was like able to twist just enough of the puppet strings to make that stuff happen. Yeah, Voldemort's not dumb. Mm-mm. But he is irked. He's super irked. He is, he's had enough. He has had it up to here with Harry. It's just, he's on his last nerve. So that's, okay, that's a thing. We talked about Umbridge. We talked about Snape. Have we talked about the the prophecy in itself? Uh, We have not. Is that where we want to go next? Well, I didn't know if there was anything you wanted to get into about the thing where Dumbledore's like, so this is what happened in Sorcerer's Stone. And did I tell you? No, I did not. And then this is what happened in... Chamber of Secrets. And the problem is that I loved you too much. You know what I mean? But you were 11, and that was too young. And then you were 12, but that was too young. And that was basically 11, so I thought, well, round down to the nearest odd. And then you were 13, and I thought, oh, it's coming, but still too young. (laughs) Yeah, there's like a a lot of this. Eleven, I told myself, was much too young. <laughs> and twelve? Well, basically eleven. 
So I always struggle a little bit to keep up with what Vol- what Dumbledore's Voldemort. Well, you know, at this point, Voldemort is just like really laying out everything that he'd been thinking. Um, Dumbledore. Dumbledore. So Dumbledore is basically saying, I should have told you about the prophecy earlier so you would have known why Voldemort attacked your parents. And like, what would that have changed? Like, why is it that he should have told him earlier? What What do you think? Ooh, that's a good one. Sorry, Jessica. There'll be some dead to cut here as I think. Uh, Maybe that would like cut out some of the hero complex for Harry. Like there would be more of an understanding of like, I need to be thinking one step ahead here and not let Voldemort like suck me in. Yeah. Like maybe Harry could better understand Voldemort's motivations. And so he would be less concerned with like, Oh, Voldemort's just trying to get power. He's just trying to do this. He would understand Voldemort is targeting me this entire time for this specific reason. So I need to make sure that I'm safe and people around me are more proactively safe. Because yeah, Harry's been very reactive to this point. Right. That perspective probably would gain him a little more caution. And But I think it's fair that Dumbledore's like, maybe instead of it being it giving him perspective and caution, it would like push him over the edge. Like maybe he wouldn't be able to handle it. Maybe he'd be just scared. I don't think yeah, that's, I, I mean, I, I do, you again, like I have nothing Dumbledore says in this chapter. Am I like, oh, you screwed it up. I don't know what the heck you were thinking. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, if you're 11 and you're told, hey, as it turns out, like the only way this ends is either you kill him or he kills you. So good luck. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you can even wrap your mind around that as an 11-year-old. You can't process it. And you, and as an 11-year-old, you haven't interacted with the dark side enough to really understand what's going on and like what's the scope of this thing. Right. You don't know if this is just some one random person that has a vendetta but or if it's an entire vast network. So. Right. Um, that leads us to the prophecy. This is why Voldemort killed Harry's parents specifically, which I think has been a question that you've asked a couple times. Definitely. Like under this the radar. For me. It hasn't been like your number one most pressing thing, but it, you've been like, hey, wait, do we know why Voldemort went after his parents? And I'd be like, do we? Yeah, no, I was pretty, like this is for me one of the bigger things to come out of this book. Okay. I feel like not only does Harry have that perspective now, but I feel like me as the reader, mm-hmm. I have that perspective now too. Mm-hmm. Um, changes the way I look at Voldemort and changes the way I think about Harry as he reacts to the things that Voldemort tries to do or the evil plots. Um, So yeah, comically enough, the prophecy came from Trelawney, who um, Who we have consistently not cared about. Yes, I was going to say, I have consistently uh, told you during the do we care segments that I don't care about and can't figure out why we keep talking about her, why we act like she's important. Yeah. I had to try to like lay off so that I wouldn't make it too obvious that you'd be like, well, I guess I have to care. You keep asking me. Yeah. Yeah. So that happened. 
uh, her she spoke the prophecy that the one with power, the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who have thrice, one of my favorite words, I wish I used that more, thrice <laughs> defied him, born as the seventh month dies. A normal way to talk. Lord, <laughs> and the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord will be born as the seventh month dies. Um, we can definitely talk about the prophecy, but I do want to remind you that her that Trelawney made a real prophecy at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban. Do you remember You'll this? Have to remind me what um, that was. She is trying to give Harry his exam, and she goes all crazy and is like, um, "I'm trying to remember the exact wording." Talking about the dark, the servant of the Dark Lord is has returned, and you know the one who's going to give him the power will rise, and the Dark Lord will rise again. And it's talking about, Harry thinks it's talking about Sirius, but it's really talking about Peter Pettigrew, how he's going to escape and go back to him. Wow, I I must have really missed that. I don't remember that at all. I mean, I know that all that happened. I for, I've totally forgot Trelawney said that would happen. Yeah, Harry came down and he was like, she made like a weird prediction like she said some weird stuff and they were all like "Ugh, classic trelawney and harry just like okay well i guess i'm ignoring her like i always do oh was this the scene where like she grabbed him as class was ending yes and, like it got really kind of spooky she mm-hmm. was like talking in a different voice and yeah and in the movie then she's possessed. like she's like oh i'm sorry are you still here boy i must have drifted off yeah yeah I remember that now. So those are the two real Trelawney prophecies that we know of to this point. Um, so basically Voldemort wanted to kill Harry because Harry is the one born with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord. Yeah, I mean, it's a very biblical sort of thing. Like, John the was it John the Baptist that prophesied about the birth of Jesus, and then Herod was like, okay, perfect, I'll just kill every boy in the country that was born this year. So Voldemort was like, okay, well, I know of a kid whose parents have defied me thrice that was born in the end of July, so I'll just kill him, problem solved. Turns out there were two boys, though. Mm -hmm. What do you make of that? I knew there was something important about Neville. I kept telling you not to sleep on him. You're the one that thinks he's telling him not to sleep on him. You've been saying that he was going to turn to the dark side. I still think that could happen. Okay, that's fair. It's a Kylo Ren situation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and all Harry hears is like, "Oh wait, maybe maybe it's actually Neville." Did you what Dumbledore? Did you think about this? What if it's Neville that's actually going to have to die while what was it? Other survives. Maybe it'll be Neville. Dumbledore seems like it seems like it could be Neville. It's probably Neville. Let's if we're being honest, I think we could all, all agree that it's probably Neville. Yeah, like odds are. But and, and then d- Dumbledore's like, "Hey, you remember how you have that scar that no one else has? Yeah, specifically Neville. <laughs> yeah, you're the guy. Wake up. Wake up. Um. So it's interesting. Um. Am I understanding this correctly, though? Voldemort didn't hear this prophecy 
which Correct. is why he has the obsession with getting the prophecy out of the library during mm-hmm. this book. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't know. Because it says the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. Yeah, so he didn't hear that part. He had someone, there was someone that was listening that reported back to him, and they're like writing on their hand like, okay, thrice defied, end of July, got it, and ran. So like he only heard the first half. So he's like, okay, okay got to kill a baby born at the end of July. Easy peasy. Go babies all the time. I'm freaking Voldemort. <laughs> this isn't even a big deal. So he goes, he finds Harry, tries to kill him, and the power, the it basically rebounds. Because of the love thing. Him. Right. It's the power the Dark Lord knows not. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. Prophecy. So it turns out Voldemort is not his family member. They are just connected by prophecy. We finally draw to a close the one thread that we've been hanging on to since chapter one. I think you predicted some other stuff in chapter one about Vernon, maybe. Yeah. Dang, I really thought it was going to be... Not what I thought it was, sorry. (laughs) That's what I was going for. Really thought it was going to be a uh, Darth Vader, Luke... I am your father situation, mm-hmm. but... Uh, I mean, we can't rule out some sort of hitherto unsuspected familial connection cropping up still, but... Seems less likely, for sure. Do you have any other Neville thoughts? You you don't seem very phased by the fact that Neville got drawn into this as a possible chosen one. Um, you don't have to be phased. If you don't have thoughts, you don't have thoughts. I guess when I read it, it was more like, okay, so what kind of power does Neville have that we don't know about and that he hasn't like tapped into yet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So this is, this is more just like keeping Neville on your radar as like he's in play for something unexpected. Yeah, he's not such a like clumsy dope anymore. Probably still very clumsy, but like with this perspective, you you respect him a lot more. Yeah, just like from a potential perspective. It's Absolutely. like you know how when you play 2K and yeah. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Everything is just like 2K. Okay, Carla, go play 2K. So you Life can understand 2K. my references. Uh yeah, that's chapter 37. Ooh, I did want you to turn back to page 807 in the beginning of this chapter. Actually, I don't know what page it is. It's chapter so long. Oh, it is 807. It's 807. Can we talk about the chapter art there? It's pretty friggin' cool. Now, if you if you had to draw something and someone just said, draw a hatefully calm face, is that what you would draw or not? I'm more just curious, like, their wands are so much longer than I expected. Okay, we're looking at two different chapter arts. I'm on page 820. Oh, well, you said 807. I did say 807, and then you were like, yep, that's right. Their wands are so long. The ones are like a foot and a half long. Okay, The Lost Prophecy. Um, I just think it's a dope double face. That just looks like I'm mildly disinterested. (laughs) 
but based on the context, it could be interpreted as hatefully calm. Like if someone's screaming at him. Yeah, he just looks tired. <laughs> well, he is. He's so yeah, tired. He's worn out. Yeah, so I love this chapter for a lot of reasons, but Dumbledore does a lot of admitting mistakes and is like, yeah, this didn't go well. Screwed that up. Like, I wish I'd told you this and that. And so it, and it humanizes him, and it makes Harry just willing to listen to him and believe him. Because, like you said, even though Dumbledore says they're mistakes, none of those things do you read and think, ugh, terrible choice. Like, you can understand the logic behind all of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is an excellent, like, teacher move, I think. Like, he's a great... If you can, like, explain the steps, even if it's, like, we're talking about punishment or we're talking about, like, classroom management, and you have to sit a kid down and you're like, look, here's what happened. Like, here's why I made these decisions. Like... I wish I had gone differently and like maybe I should have done that. But if they walk around, they're like, actually, yeah, you the choices that you made were logical at the time, then that's all you can ask for. Agreed. Braden agrees. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, wrong button. All right, we're going to wrap up Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix here from a book perspective. Um, We'll probably do a short... Wow, that was a long crickets. We'll probably do a short book recap um, where I get your final thoughts and we do a howler. So it'll be like a short episode um, before we start on Half-Blood Prince. So we're not going to necessarily sum up all of our thoughts here, but we this last chapter, I think, does a pretty good job of tying everything together. I mean, Dumbledore tied a lot of it together, and we just get a couple more final like bows on it, I think here in chapter 38, the second war begins page 845. Time flies when you're having fun, right? 845. So five points here. First one, we have an article from the daily prophet. So they've changed their tune. What do you think about that? Um, I enjoy it. I think the best part of the article is a quote directly from Fudge who admits that the Lord Thingy is back. Lord, you know, guy. So to me, that says that Fudge still doesn't have the right reverence for this situation. Yeah. Mindset. Doesn't understand the gravity of what has happened. He's he's probably still more concerned about his reputation as minister than mm-hmm. he is like the fact that Lord Thingy is back. Well, I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, he's probably pretty much known this whole time. And so this that's what the whole book has been about was his concern for his reputation superseding yeah, his decision making. So we got that. We got the Daily Prophet. Hermione's like, um, you're the ones that were calling him crazy. Gosh. Uh, And then Harry leaves to go talk to Hagrid, but runs into Malfoy and Snape on the way. I didn't know how you felt about these interactions. Um, This is the interaction where Malfoy tells him he's going to die, right? Yeah, we're on 851. Yeah. So I feel like um, this is kind of a cornerstone 
in Malfoy and Harry's relationship where it's like, all right, we don't have to pretend anymore. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't just about me saying Ron is poor and you grew up with muggles. Right. And this like is like hating my dad's other. a Death Eater and he's on the team. Like, let's kill Harry. Yeah. And so that means I am. So. Are we worried about that? Malfoy being on that team? Um, A little bit because I feel like like um, some of the antics that Malfoy has gone with in the past, like you talked about, like making fun of Ron for being poor or just like kind of nitpicking at Harry. Like it's probably going to be a lot more serious now. Like he would, if he were able to, let's say like set up a situation where he can like frame somebody else for like seriously hurting Harry or even like killing Harry Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. Like he's not going to feel bad about that. He's not going to have a conscience about that. It's going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm a part of the greater cause for, for dad and for Lord Voldemort. Yeah. Malfoy's got some serious like daddy issues. It seems like everything is about like, you did this to my father, you know, who, you know, we don't know what they're, we don't see a lot of one-on-one Lucius Draco time after book two, but like he really wants to please him and go along with what it is that his parents say is, is the move here. And especially his dad, it seems like. Yeah. Oh, and Snape tries to take points away from them. And then McGonagall swoops in and is like, actually, they get all the points. Yeah. McGonagall's still... The queen stays the queen, really. She's great. Absolutely. She's definitely an underrated character, I think. Okay, moving on. Uh, Harry does go down to Hagrid's. And this is where I had initially written, like, Harry dealing with his grief. Um, it talks about how when he's with people, he wants to be alone. When he's alone, he wants company. I think that's pretty common for people with a close loss. Did you have any big, takeaway, big takeaways from uh, Harry's conversation with Hagrid? Um, what page is that on? I'm trying to remember everything that's been said. Uh, 854 to 855. They're just kind of talking, talking about Grop. Well, I think it's important that we're going to try and find Grop a lady friend. I think that's what we all wanted. Yeah, that's going to be my favorite plot of the next book, really. Absolutely. It's like, maybe we can get one of the Slytherin girls. Like, they're ugly. Maybe it's like a a bachelor type thing Mm -hmm. with Grop. Yeah. He seems to like Hermione. I don't think it's going to work out with another human. (laughs) That's how you get a Hagrid. A lot of questions there. Not not that many answers. (laughs) I have to say more questions than answers. (laughs) This came up on a different Harry Potter podcast I was listening to once where they were talking about the existence of a half giant and they're like, just 
from a practical standpoint. Right. That's where my like I don't want to get into the details like, of that. Which but direction, just know, listener? That's where my head is at. There's no they, <laughs> you. I couldn't say it better than you. A lot of questions, not a lot of answers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we kind of glazed over that the first time, like just talking through Hagrid's past and how yeah. he got where he is. But uh, now that we're talking about possibly recreating the situation, um, <laughs> yeah, just questions galore. Like, there's a lot that I want to say right now, and you're you guys are all welcome for the fact that I'm not saying it. You know. It's better than I'm not. It's, yeah. It's for the good of the group. It's for the greater good. The good of the pod. The ant boys are going to show some restraint. <laughs> That's what we've always been known for that, these ant boys. Just some it's, restraint. It's our restraint. I think that's actually, we actually have. We've done a pretty Tried good job. Tried to be careful about how we handle certain topics. We tried to do it in a way that we feel to be responsible. But then we also, literally, I was like, John, what do you like about the pod? And he said, I like Braden's Jerry Seinfeld impression. (laughs) Like that's, he didn't say like, I like your nuanced discussions or like this segment. He was like, Braden, I I don't, he said, I don't go out of my way to watch Seinfeld. Like it's fine. But Braden's Seinfeld impression is really good. I've been working really hard on trying to figure out how to get a Donald Trump impression and it's it's not there yet i've i've been watching a lot of his like speeches and stuff and listening to other guys who do his impressions wow and just trying to like kind of pick up on some of the nuances and mannerisms it's not there yet as a wise man once said to me about this subject i've got there's a lot of questions and not a lot of answers about what i just heard on me trying to learn how to do a Donald Trump. You just said that you've been watching a lot of Donald Trump speeches. And like, I don't know what to do with that. Like just uh, from a mannerism standpoint or like, yeah, you're, just like, not just like, like, not like I've been, like, I've, I've been hearing him out, like you know, video talking. Okay. Okay. It's just like a cadence mannerism. I mean, he, like he is our president. He's someone's like, president. I don't, I don't know what. Sh- I don't. Oh gosh. <laughs> He's a, he's a president. That's true. He is the president of the country that you live in. That's that a, yeah. Citizen. I agree with that. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, don't you just say huge? That's what people do, it seems like. You just say huge. Um, use the word incredible a lot. Um, tremendous. He, he, he tremendous. really loves to use the term tremendous. It's going to be the number one podcast. A muggle's perspective. The Amp Boys have shown more restraint than anyone ever in the in the history of the world. I, that was honestly good, and it honestly was also kind of like you were drifting towards like an Indian accent. Yeah, it's he 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 is kind of flirts with that, like the way he, like I said, I'm I'm working on it. It's a it's a work in progress. It's I've got a base. I feel like uh-huh. something to work off of. Yeah, it's not there yet. Okay, like I said. A lot of questions. Um, I'm just, I'm a big Frank Caliendo fan. <laughs> the uh, guy that does like Charles Barkley and John Madden impressions? Dude, he does so much more than that. Okay. Everyone I talk to remembers when he got popular like five years ago and uh-huh. just because of like the John Madden impression. Okay. Dude, he's so good at so many other impressions. He has a podcast where him and two other comedians talk about like football for an hour and it's just like, 
constant impressions of like just all kinds of people, not just athletes or coaches. So, wow. It's inspired me to like get better at impressions. Wouldn't have pegged you as a Caliendo head. I like Frank Caliendo. I okay. think that's fine. Is I your... think that he is not like a stellar comedian. Like he doesn't have great material, but uh-huh. he's a really good impressionist. This you could stun me equally by saying something like, "I've been getting really into William Hung's discography." Like I, like for me, like we're talking about a similar level of like this is something that happened eight years ago, and I'm like, "Yep, I remember that guy." And then stop no, thinking man, about Frank him. Caliendo gets invited to like Dan Patrick and Rich Eisen like regularly. Yeah. So I know that those are radio shows, and that's all I that's that's all I've got. I've never listened to any of that happening. Okay. Yeah, pretty like pretty respected sports talk shows. Okay, I know it's not the Ringer, but it is <laughs> it is a good show that's, that's outside fair. of that. No, you're. I mean, I definitely acknowledge that there's good stuff that's out on the Ringer, and not everything on the Ringer do I listen to religiously. Yeah, which is definitely fair. I, there's some ESPN stuff I really like, still. So yeah. So we're gonna have to cut all of this stuff, because I, I just never no really like. Yeah. I didn't yeah. hear anything you just said. What stuff do you like? I'm trying to think of like the last ESPN produced like show that I actively listened to or watched. Mm-hmm. There's a couple uh, basketball or football ones that I could recommend that are really like well thought out and I mean it's not hot take types. I mean I don't know what you're into. Maybe you're into hot take stuff. But I think um like the Stephen A Smith stuff is entertaining not because it's good or um, like that I'm learning a lot about the topic or sport. It's just, it's just entertainment because sure. it's just like, he's such a flamboyant personality. That's accurate. Um, right now for me, the Mina Kimes show is, is just really good. She has on like really well informed people and she is also very well, like knows a lot about the league herself, but both she and Bill Barnwell, that's who I listen to. And they don't take themselves like incredibly like they they can still crack jokes and like are funny and witty and stuff but yeah. it's like excellent that's content that's been my big issue with most ESPN personalities is that they think they're a much bigger deal than they are yes like yeah Sarah and, Spain okay Jimmy Christmas can't handle Sarah Spain um really really a lot of them to be honest yeah you go down a long list of that but I, I would highly and you can definitely be skeptical and like maybe I'll listen to one of yours or something the Mina Kimes show is definitely, she does not take herself super seriously. Like she, um, it's called the Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny, which is the name of her dog. And she, <sighs> and one of the questions that she always asks like five questions. And one of them, she's like, this is from my dog. It's not me. And it's just like a mean question. It'll be like, even to like a former NFL player, player she'll be like, so I heard you got uh, picked in the sixth round. And so I'm just wondering like why so many teams passed on you. Like, you know, just, <laughs> um, and she Did used to ever... she used to do it in like a squeaky dog voice, but then she like she was like I can't I can't do it anymore, guys. <laughs> have you ever gotten into pardon my take? Um, I have n- I've not. There's yeah. a there's a kind of a high barrier of entry for me with the barstool stuff. Oh, um, I don't really like any barstool stuff, but I think Big Cat and um, PFT are legitimately funny. So I'm sh- so like 
um, I don't know if you know Mark Titus, who's a I know that who's name. a college basketball guy. He has been yeah, on there yeah. with them, and he he definitely like talks like I've heard about them through him mostly. Who he used to yeah. be with Ringer. Um, but just from like some of the stuff that I see on Twitter, and like it could just be cherry picking. Um, but like, j- and nothing about those guys at all. It's just like Barstool in general. Like people, the kind of like. Uh, it's more frat culture. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. And so the kind, like the people that I tend to follow, the sports people are a little more like progressive, I guess is one way that I could say it. Like who are, or, who are like cringe or like pretty openly cringe at like barstool stuff. And so I'm like, ah, like, you know, I mean, like if I, if it was recommended to me or something by you, then like, okay. Um, yeah. But I've just kind of stayed away from that. Just, yeah, like, and I've seen tweets by like the president or whatever, who just seems like a jerk. Yeah, he's a tool, like a real life jerk, like yeah. about like how he runs his company and stuff. And it's like, okay, that's that's tough yeah. for me. And like, yeah. you can you can say all kinds of things about Bill Simmons that aren't flattering that I would agree with in terms of him being annoying. But I think that he runs a company in a way that he like treats his employees well and is like respectful to them and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, I guess. This is all getting cut, like, for sure. Yeah. Rachel is not leaving this in. No. We're not even done. she shouldn't. We're not even done with this chapter. Okay. Okay, we're almost done. Uh, We're closing it out here. Um, Oh, okay. There's this we actually legitimately need to talk about. So Harry goes to pack, and he finds a mirror. And this leads him down a whole rabbit hole. And so I have three points that I want to touch on with this. What do you understand about this mirror? Um, the idea is that if Sirius were still alive, Rip, um, wherever Sirius is, if he has a mirror and Harry has the mirror, they can. It's basically like a. It's it's an iPhone. It's yeah. FaceTime. Yep. And so this is really hard because, like, man. I can think of an instance recently where that would have been really convenient. That would have been really convenient. And it's, it's man, it's like salt in the wound um, yep, yep. that Harry like tries it still. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I hate that whole scene. Yeah, so Harry tries it and then just continues to dive into this where he's like, oh, but what if Sirius comes back as a ghost? Yeah, there was a point in this chapter reading it where it was like, man, how far, like, how long is he going to do this? Yeah. This, the, this hurts to watch. I know. Not in a way that's like, this is poorly written, but it's just like, this is real. This is like really raw Yeah. stuff coming out of Harry right now. Not, not so much a fun read, those mm-hmm. few pages. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, what, I, what else did you think about that? I mean, Nick is like, I don't know what to tell you, man. You You go on or you don't. But it's like a real specific life choice that is not for everyone. Yeah, I think that whole scene with Nick got kind of weird. Like JKR tried to sort of tiptoe around like afterlife stuff. Yeah. And it was like, oh, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know where you're going with this. This is sort of confusing. Have you seen that GIF? Or I guess it's like yes. a short video exactly with women's like, ah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the Alonzo morning like head shake. Well, yeah, yeah. 
Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what like this section of the chapter was for me. The conversation with Nearly Headless Nick was that gif. Yeah. It was like, oh, we're just going to go into like specific Judeo-Christian imagery here. It's like, ah, <laughs> no, no, we're not. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, this is just a very specific 2019, like fall of 2019 episode of this podcast. <laughs> like things are being said that will not be relevant <laughs> no. in 10 years. People are gonna be like, "What's a GIF?" Everyone calls it GIF now, and that's why we'll have killed ourselves because. I'm not living in that world. Where people I don't call them GIFs. World either. Uh, yeah, I don't want to live in that world either. <laughs> um, and this kind of bleeds into, for me at least, thematically into the Luna conversation. So you all book, you've been like, I guess this is still happening. Luna Lovegood's yep. here. Trelawney and Luna Lovegood. Did this Both bring me my words? Did you did this bring any closure to you with the Luna stuff? Because like she was at the ministry and she was fighting and she was useful and now there's this and do you get it now or is it still? Are we still, still paying into vague, some a future thing? Okay, it's still like she had a purpose in the book. I can't deny that, but it's the character itself is still a little vague. It's just kind of like the weirdo that also had a parent die that kind of helps Harry at the end. I do like that we get um, some sympathy for her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's not asking for it necessarily. No, no, but it's kind of nice that like that part of the character develops and we get to maybe connect with her more than we did in previous chapters. Yeah, and it, it, it does seem a little bit odd. Like we get this... Harry Luna connection at the very, very, very end of the book. Yeah. It's like this could have maybe helped understand their relationship better. But I guess, I mean, like, she, it was just being slow played. Like, we've got two more books and we needed to introduce a character now. And JKR was like, it's fine. Take my time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what. I don't know what she'll do with Luna Lovegood in the next book, or if that'll just be a character that floats away, I guess. You could see Luna Lovegood literally floating. Yeah. Like that's how substantial she is of a person. Hovering. Yeah. yeah. So besides that, we just got a train ride. A couple of fun things happen. Anything you wanted to point out? I just like that uh like the squad shows up and <laughs> yeah, like tells the Dursleys like the whole gang here. Yeah, we've got basically the order there. Um, and they're just kind of giving Uncle Vernon like the old wink and nod. Like, hey, we're watching. Magic eye. So. Something to think about. What about the scene where they just torched Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle when they tried to attack Harry? I enjoyed that as well. That's always good for the soul. Anytime... Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle get put down or hurt. Mm-hmm. It just it makes you feel good. <laughs> I feel like this the exact same thing happened at the end of Goblet of Fire. So it was a little tough. Yeah. Yep. It uh, it kind of has a less dramatic ending than I expected it to. The book as a whole. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But uh, we can talk about that more on the the recap episode okay for sure yeah that's just kind of how the books go sometimes it's like well then they got on the train then they went home 
So yeah. she doesn't cliffhang the end of the books usually, it seems like. That is Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, we've discussed how many pages? 870. 870 pages. 870 pages. So thank you guys for making it to the end of that with us. Um, I ended up really enjoying the book, I think. I mean, yeah, we can still talk about that later, but... Yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was it was good for me to reread it. I think not one of the ones I reread most often. So uh, we did a lot of plugs at the beginning. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Give us some likes. Rachel's trying to get a little bit back more into posting. It's hard. Hard to post constantly when you're not getting paid to do it. That post life. Yeah, living that post life. Comments, concerns, suggestions. Uh, leave a review. That would be su- people don't understand. Five star review really helpful. Shoots us, shoots us up the charts, so we'd love to hear. I can't say shoots us up quickly. Shoots us up. Shoots us up shoots the charts. Us up. Shoots, us shoots us up the charts. Shoots us up. If you guys, just, if you guys leave a five-star review, it's going to shoot us up the, the chart, chart real fast. Shoots us up the chart real good. Thank you, Braden, for getting through another book with me. Thank you to Rachel. She's been like annotating the episodes and pre-editing them a little bit. Uh, Jeremy's been actually doing a lot more of the editing now, so we thank you for that. Uh, no thank you to Hannah for still not giving me the medical hypotheses that I crave. Do you have any other It'll thanks? Uh, thank you, listeners. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeremy and Jessica. Mm-hmm. I think you already said that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, uh, uh, John, for becoming a patron. Yeah, patron. Carla came on the show. Always thanks. Stephen came on big, the show this book. No, that was the end of the last book. Yeah. Big thanks to Chad just for being Chad like and hitting mm-hmm. the howler hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, see you next time to recap Order of the Phoenix and then Half Blood Prince. Two more books left. Peace. Let's get it.